Good morning, South Run. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. Uh, for me, with you, it's a new year. Happy New Year. I realize uh, most of you uh, gathered last week. Is there a ringing noise? Does anyone else hear this? I think it's, yeah. That's going to bother me the whole time. I have stretched uh, Dave to uh, his breaking point uh, a few times this week. So, uh, Dave, thank you. Oh, it's the light. It's that one light. The one light, yeah. That is not Jesus. <laughs> the light of the world. Uh, so, uh, where was I? Uh, we're starting something new. It's a new year. Uh, we have not done, I realized, a, like a straight walk through the Bible uh, in a while. And um, my plan for the coming weeks, probably months, is to walk us through the book of Galatians. I happen to have a certain fondness for the book of Galatians. Uh, I've, uh, I've spent some time uh, in study with it, but a couple years ago, I actually was asked to write um, uh, the study notes in the Baylor uh, Study Bible, uh, which uh, is purchasable. I won't make you go out and purchase this book. I'm actually going to print off all of my notes for you and create a little booklet. I've created just one, so here's the magic one for today. Um, but uh, so uh, I do actually have something uh, printed in a Bible somewhere, which feels like a big deal. Uh, and it was, it's the book of Galatians and the notes on Galatians. So I thought uh, for our sake together, uh, we would walk through this book uh, really line by line, word by word, uh, and dig down deep. Uh, and my hope is by the end of it all, uh, we're all reading uh, Galatians a little differently, maybe even seeing our scriptures a little differently, realizing that Paul uh, is a wonderful uh, thinker, theologian, uh, and passionate human being. Uh, he is not some otherworldly figure. He is, he's just like you and me, uh, and he comes at uh, what he does with tremendous passion. Uh, the letters that he writes uh, is, is actually quite unique that we have these sitting in our scripture because we get a window into the soul of this man, Paul. And uh, we're reading uh, the book of Acts in one of our Bible studies uh, for Sunday school. Uh, the other study is uh, on Exodus, and then the other study is on First and Second Kings. I hope uh, that if you haven't been joining us at, at 9.45, this is a great time to jump in because all three of those studies uh, are starting uh, here. And now I think this week was the very first week for all three. Uh, but the book of Acts gives us Paul's life kind of from the outside in, and then his letters give us a bit of his life from the inside out, right? It's his actual writing. And it's worth keeping that in mind, uh, and maybe even thinking of your own life, and at times that you've either written a letter uh, or, or received a letter, uh, and what that process is like. And and it's no different with uh, the book of Galatians, except that uh, for Paul, his ended up in Holy Scripture. And no offense, but yours will not. Uh, <laughs> let's begin before we jump in uh, with a word of prayer. <clears throat> 
Heavenly Father, we come this morning praising your name. We have had a beautiful time of worship together already, and we ask that that continue in these moments. God, I ask that you fill uh, my mouth with your words. Lord, as we read uh, the words of Paul that you inspired within him, God, may we be inspired as well by that same Holy Spirit that flowed through Paul. May the Holy Spirit flow through us this morning. Lord, may we be a changed people, a people who show the same amount of passion as St. Paul did. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you'll turn with me, uh, every week I'll ask, actually, that you bring your Bible, uh, that you uh, open it with me as we go line by line through the book of Galatians. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, that is uh, just fine because our uh, pews are filled with them. They're the black book sitting in front of you. Go ahead and grab one, open it to the book of Galatians, uh, Galatians uh, follows right after 2nd Corinthians, or Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Uh, so as you find it, I'm going to go ahead and get us started uh, by rereading for us uh, Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Begins like this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Every one of these letters that Paul writes, and most letters in the ancient world, begin with uh, something very similar to what we have here. Uh, The person who has written it is the very first word, Paul, right? Uh, He adds that it's not just Paul writing, actually. It's Paul, uh, and as he says here, and all the brothers who are with me. These are uh, co-writers, uh, perhaps, but Paul is, is the lead writer. Um, and then uh, the next thing we get is, uh, so we get the sender, and then we get the, uh, who's he sending it to. And you'll notice here that this isn't just a single uh, body uh, of believers, it's to the churches of Galatia, right? And so this letter gets probably passed around Uh, through a series of churches in the region uh, known as Galatia. Um, There's already, however, uh, a lot that happens in these first couple verses that are very easy to skip over, and uh, I want to just park uh, on for a second here, because uh, Paul begins most of his letters in the same kind of way, And it's funny because this came up just this morning in the Acts class. Uh, He begins this way. He says, Paul, an apostle, right? An apostle. And Judy Camarella said, I think I have a dumb question. And then she asked, what uh, exactly, precisely, is an apostle? And my response should have been, Judy, if that's a dumb question then my sermon's going to be a dumb sermon uh, because it's largely about what is an apostle and why is this significant to us this morning. And, uh, and so I want to park there for a second because there's a lot happening in this one word. Uh, and to be an apostle 
to boil it down, there's, there's kind of a couple senses in which this gets used in our New Testament. One is a more generic sense, which means like somebody who's just sent to do something. That's the uh, simple translation of the word apostolos, is somebody who's sent. But that's not how Paul uses it here. That's not how it gets used primarily in the New Testament. It it has a much more solemn meaning standing behind it, right? It has, uh, uh, it's an office, actually, that somebody holds. And in order to be called an apostle, you have to check a few boxes, okay? And Paul here is saying he is indeed an apostle. And then as the letter unfolds, You'll see it's a pretty contentious letter. If you don't know anything about the book of Galatians, uh, he is at, Paul is at his fieriest uh, in, this, in this letter. I mean, he is clearly upset about something. And it's pretty clear what he's upset about. Uh, to put it succinctly, he has given the Galatian churches one gospel, and they have turned it into another gospel. And they have, what he says, perverted the gospel. And he is upset about this. And he knows that this is mission critical, right? That this is at the very heart of everything, not that just Paul is trying to do, but that God is trying to do in the universe through this person, Jesus. And Paul is the messenger, the one who's sent to to tell people about it. And it turns out the Galatian people have messed this up in some fashion. We'll get to exactly what the details of that are in another sermon. But he is, uh, he's fighting throughout the letter. It's Paul fighting, okay? And so it's filled uh, with, uh, with fire, and it's filled with uh, even some anger. Uh, it's, it's filled with a little bit of name-calling from time to time, uh, some uh, analogies that uh, may or may not be appropriate from the pulpit, but since it's the Bible, I'm going to go ahead and read them. Uh, the point is, the, the letter is, is one of these that is, um, it's hard to not uh, read it and then walk away and say, Wow, he must have been a really interesting guy to know in real life, you know. He doesn't hold anything back. He, he just, he's putting it all on the table, and he's saying, what we're talking about here is of utmost importance, right? And so from the beginning, he's fighting, but here he's fighting specifically for his, the big word, apostolicity, so that people actually believe he is indeed an apostle and that he holds this office. And he's saying very clearly from the, the get-go that, his, that he is an apostle, and, and I mean, we're three words in, and he's saying, not from men nor through man, right? He's like, Nobody appoint, no human being appointed me in this role. He's saying... No, it is through Jesus Christ and God the Father that my apostolicity, my, my office as an apostle, that, that is how I hold this uh, position. Now, backing up again to Judy's question, well, what is an apostle, right? What's an apostle? Turn with me, uh, put your finger here and... and a few, uh, few pages in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 9. We'll read a couple verses there. 
And then we'll, uh, we'll look at 1 Corinthians 15, both of which Paul here, he does not feel his apostolicity is contested with the Corinthian church. They seem to have bought into the fact and believed the fact that he is indeed who he says he is. Uh, but he does say a few things about being an apostle that's worth noting. And so he says in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And this is really step one, right? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, and you kind of see him hinting here that there are people in his day and age who are questioning his apostolicity, right? At least I am to you, he says. You Corinthians people. I, I know that uh, you trust that I am indeed an apostle. And how? Well, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And in case you don't maybe know exactly what he's trying to say here, he's saying that if, uh, if someone were to ask him, uh, well, how do you know that you're an apostle? Well, he would say two things now. One, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Something we should come back to. Uh, and two, look to this Corinthian church, a church that he, by the way, established, right? And they have begun to flourish uh, and, to, and to take on Jesus as Lord. And he has begun to go around uh, throughout uh, the various uh, parts of uh, the Mediterranean converting uh, the Gentiles, primarily the Jews as well, and beginning to spread the gospel among the Gentiles. And he's saying, well, I would point to people like you, O Corinthian people, and you are the seal of my apostleship. If we turn just a few pages uh, to 1 Corinthians 15, we find something similar, starting in verse 3. We spent a lot of time in 1 Corinthians 15 this past uh, Easter, if you don't remember, uh, because this is all about Jesus' resurrection, right? And he says here in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, uh, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And here, this idea of an appearance becomes central, right? So that Jesus appears to Peter, and to James, and to the 12, and, and to like 500 people. So there's the potential that there's like 500 plus apostles running around out there. And, and then he says this, last of all, verse 8, as to one, uh, sorry, uh, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And if you don't know what he's saying here, Paul was not a friend of Jesus when Jesus was alive. He did not know Jesus as far as we are aware. He certainly was not part of the crew that received his resurrection and, and appearances in some fashion, because who was Paul before he was Paul? He was the one persecuting the church, right? 
He's the, he's the one uh, who actually disbelieved all of these 500 who were running around saying, no, we saw a risen man. We believe that he is the Christ. He is the Lord. He is the, the king, the true king, right? And Paul at first was saying, nope, that's not the case. But then, then he has a revelation and on the road to Damascus, if you don't know the story, he sees and he meets up with Jesus. And Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me, right? And Paul has, it seems, this encounter with Jesus. And he takes this and perhaps other encounters. It's, it's hard to know. We don't have all the details. Uh, but he takes this and he says, I have seen the risen Lord myself too. And therefore, I too, though untimely born, right, though somebody who was, who, who was out of place in it all, I too am an apostle and should be accounted account, uh, among the apostles. And then he continues, and he says in verse 9, for I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and you believed, right? And here we get to, again, what is an apostle? It is somebody who saw the risen Christ and then is sent on mission, right? And is, uh, is tasked with the clear mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus. It's kind of that simple. However, they function uh, a little more than that. You see, they function as authority figures in this day and age. And while we, 20 year, 2,000 years later, 20 centuries later, uh, we have our Bible, and if somebody asks us, you know, well, how do you know that Jesus is risen, or how do you know, why do you believe uh, in uh, the faith of Christianity, uh, why do you believe uh, that Jesus is the Lord, we would probably open our Bibles up and, and maybe start to run them through a few uh, key passages and point them here, the Word, right? In the first century, I don't know if you know this, you should know this, but they didn't have a Bible. That is, they didn't have a New Testament anyway. Right? It's not written yet. Paul's literally writing it. As, uh, this is the period we're in. He's writing it. And so if somebody comes up to, to um, uh, an early Christian on the street and says, well, how do you know? How do you know that this is true? The person will say, well, let me introduce you to my father. My father. Well, he saw the risen Christ, right? He and, and let me introduce you to my friend James. He too, he saw Jesus die and he saw him raised again from the dead. And then he'll say, and let me introduce you even to my friend Paul, though untimely born. He too had this revelation from Jesus who was raised from the dead, right, and can attest to it. In fact, Paul's whole life attests to it because he was one person and then becomes a whole different person, right? This is important 
in my own life because, well, I'll give you a, a, at least a, it's, it's important to my life for a different reason, but uh, I brought this as an example. I know people like examples. I've been told uh, that uh, by having object lessons, this is helpful. Do you know what this is? To you, it, uh, no, you can't see it, can you? Let's get the camera to, no, we don't have that technology yet. Um, it is a recipe. It's a recipe. Here's what happened. A few years ago, I was at my family's house, uh, probably Christmas or a, uh, maybe it was during uh, the summer, and I said to my family, this was probably seven, eight, nine years ago, I said to my family, um, my favorite cookie that my grandma, our grandma, used to make was farm cookies. And every single person in the room looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, and, and they said, we don't know what, the, what a farm cookie is. And I was like, what? Everybody, this is like one of grandma's you know, special recipes. Like, surely you all know what this is. And they, they, they all say back to me, oh, do you mean lep cookies? Well, and you probably don't know what that is either. Uh, and a lep cookie is very common in my household. And I say, of course I know what a lep cookie is. It's not a lep cookie. It's a farm cookie. And I loved them. It was like this memory I had with my grandmother. And they were all like, we don't think that's real. <clears throat> and I went home. And I found this. And I love my family. But this is written in my grandmother's handwriting. And if I can read it to you, it says, farm cookies, Eric's favorite. <laughs> and I said, there's the proof. This is a living document in my grandmother's handwriting that indeed this happened, that my memory is not crazy, and I loved farm cookies, and my grandmother made them for me, right? It's not all that different with Paul and with Peter and with James and with the apostles. And they functioned not all that different from this here recipe. And when people would say, we think you're crazy for believing in a resurrected man, and they would say, oh no, oh no. We saw this with our own eyes, and I can attest to it, and he can attest to it, and he can attest to it, and he can attest to it, and this... This is the original foundation of the faith of Christianity, right? This is how it gets started. And so when Paul says at the beginning of our book here that he is an apostle, this is not insignificant. He begins, in fact, most of his letters saying, Paul, an apostle, right? And he, he leads with this fact that he himself is a living testimony to the resurrected Christ. However, there were some, uh, even among the ranks of early Christians, who were not so convinced. And so he has to remind them, both of his own apostolicity, but at the very core of what is at stake, right? Because he's an apostle, which means he's sent, which means he's sent to do something, 
And what is that thing he is sent to do? Paul calls himself an apostle, not to the Gentiles, or sorry, not to the Jews, this is how he'll put it later, but to the Gentiles, right? He sees his mission as, as a bit different than some of the other apostles, and that he is sent uh, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world, to the ends of the earth, right? And so within five verses of this letter, we get Paul theologizing far more than I think most of us would have ever gathered if you just read it through one time. And so what we get is that Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, right? Already, even this is theologizing, saying Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, the King, the true King of Israel, the true King of the world. Like, this phrase alone is him already theologized, right? And my apostleship is through Jesus Christ and God the Father, and here again, theologizing, putting Jesus and God right next to one another, uh, having uh, in all, uh, for all you know, points, uh, a divine Jesus right up front, Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And this is how he begins, right? He begins with the Father raising Jesus from the dead. And he says, I I'm a living testimony to that fact. And that fact, that should change everything. Not just for the people living 2,000 years ago, it should change everything for us here too. If we truly believe that a dead man was raised from the dead on our behalf, well then it's worth asking, what happened? Why? What does this mean? Well, Paul answers your question very quickly, in fact. He goes on, he says, all the brothers who are with me are also writing this letter to the churches of Galatia. And then he offers a salutation. Grace and peace. I won't go into this too much. Uh, he's basically pulling, t- he does this in every one of his letters, if you haven't heard me say it yet. He, he takes the, uh, the Greek salutation of charis, grace, and he takes the Jewish salutation of shalom, peace, right? And he pulls them both together. And he often is speaking to, to both Jew and Gentile audiences. And so he's saying, grace and shalom from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, here they are again, right? pulling together God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, he goes a little bit further. He says, not only was this man resurrected, Jesus, but he says, he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. It's simple and it's huge, right? Let's start with the first half. He gave himself for our sins. This, for Paul, is uh, something he'll say actually a number of times throughout his letters, and it's a, a condensation of what he believes, and actually Jesus himself says it too, uh, of what is happening on the cross. It's the giving over of Jesus' very self to death for our 
sins, right? Do you believe this? This man who was resurrected from the dead, who the, uh, the uh, people are testifying to throughout uh, the, the Roman world in the first century, and the church has testified to for 2,000 years, do you believe that this man was raised from the dead, but then also this was done Then the second half, and to deliver us from this present evil age. Now, uh, the present evil age um, requires just the smallest bit of explanation of what's happening here. Uh, there's a certain kind of Judaism that exists in the first century called apocalyptic Judaism, in which uh, uh, and you didn't have to be a Christian, uh, Jews, Christians, kind of pulled these two things together. Uh, and apocalyptic Judaism uh, believes uh, that there are indeed two ages. Uh, and this might come natural to you, so this might mean very little. But uh, they believe that there was the present evil age, which is the age we've been living in for a very long time. And then, well, then the Lord comes, and there's a judgment day. And then there is what? The new creation, right? Then there's whatever that age is to come, right? Eternal life. It gets, you know, talked about in a variety of ways. And Paul is saying that uh, Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, has saved us from our sins and is trying to usher us into that second age, right? And it's really not until we get to the very end of this letter that he comes back to the idea, only comes back to it on the, on the second half or on the, the second side. And so in Galatians 6, verse 15, one of the last lines of the whole letter, he says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Right? He says, this is the whole uh, ball game, folks. This is what we're here for. Christ has died and raised again, been raised again from the dead, is the Messiah, is the King reigning on high, that you might be saved from your sins and out of this evil age that we live in and placed into the new creation. The only problem is that whereas the Jewish uh, understanding of uh, the old age and the new age, there was a clear demarcation of when this started and began, and these two ages kind of went like this. Jesus pulls the new age over top of this old age, so that for a time, at least 2,000 years now, the old and the new kind of sit together. I've talked about it before as the now and the not yet, Right? So we're still in the midst of some of the present evil age, and yet we're still being invited into the possibility of the new age and the new creation. And Paul is reminding us that, that both these things sit together and that we are not meant for this world as we see it. We are designed for greater things. And then he concludes... And he says, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Which is more or less a benediction. It's a praising. It's a, it's a blessing of God. And it's a reminding us of why we're here at all. That we are here according to the will of our God and our Father. And it is to him that all glory and honor belong. And that the whole uh, storyline of Christianity and uh, Christ's death and resurrection, all of this is aimed at serving really one major purpose, and that is to bring glory. Today is a communion Sunday, and uh, we are going to, uh, to remind ourselves of the story that we believe. That 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived and gathered together disciples. And he brought them together in an upper room and he taught them what was to come. And he told them that he was going to give his life for them and for the sins of the world. And then the very next day, he would be tried. And the very next day, he would be executed on a cross. And then three days later, he would be raised again from the dead by God the Father. Now, if that is true, and this is what Paul would say to you this morning, if that is true, if Jesus really was raised again on the third day, and he really has forgiven your sins and ushered you into a new creation and the possibility that lies therein. Well, then what is our job? Do we just say, thank you very much? (laughs) I think this comes back to the word apostle. Paul was an apostle par excellence, which means he was uh, the best example of one. We too, however, are apostles. Now, not in the office of an apostle, but we too are sent, right? We are sent ones. And we too must take this same message that we've been given, that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and our job is to find others who need to hear this message, who need to find the message of hope, and of a loving Father, and of a Christ who's willing to die for your sake, that you might live, and to usher us all into a new kingdom. So as we come this morning, I'm going to give us a moment to, uh, to get our hearts right with God. To ask yourself one more time, again, do I really believe this? And if I do believe this, What am I going to do about it? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do to get my heart right? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, give us faith anew this morning. May we trust in you again as if for the first time. And for those who have never trusted in you, may they find a faith this morning that seems to come out of nowhere, 
but that will change their life trajectory forever. That will cause them to become a new creation. God, it is what you want from us. And Lord, may we be disciples and apostles. Apostles who are sent, sent out into a world who needs to hear this message. God, I pray as we prepare our hearts to take the communion this morning, that you forgive us our sins. They are many. And we wish to uh, take communion uh, in a place uh, that is right. And with hearts that are We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.